Resiliency Within, with host Elaine miller Karras is brought to you by Trauma Resource Institute, Incorporated. Visit TraumaResourceInstitute.com. Welcome to Resiliency Within, featuring your host, Elaine miller Karras. In unprecedented times, our beliefs and well-being are put to the test. When we take the things we've learned in life and look at challenges in a whole new way, we learn to develop resiliency, which can then be used to promote healing and personal strength. Now, here is Elaine miller Karras. Welcome to Resiliency Within. I'm your host, Elaine miller Karras. And as we get started today, this is the last day of the month, uh, the 30th um, for the show. And this is um, Mental Health Awareness Month. So as many of you know, my show highlights international leaders promoting mind-body health throughout the world. And today, I want to thank the dedicated individuals and organizations working to improve well-being throughout the world. And in the spirit, I welcome my guest today, Shauna Kennedy, one of Australia's foremost strategic executive life and health coaches. So I can't even, I can't think of a better person to have on this. And also, because her, her book, her new book that we're going to talk about in just a moment, came out in May. Um, so she is um, she works to transform her clients' careers, well-being, and lives. She specializes in executive uh, strategy, transition values, vision, overcoming burnout, and life planning for individuals. And to use her words, she lives and dances with chronic fatigue syndrome and depression and is committed to living her best and most energetic life based on her values and commitment to authenticity. And any of us that have struggled with mental health conditions or with physical challenges know that sometimes it's not easy to dance. So I'm so excited to talk to her about how she can help us dance when we're feeling those low moments in our lives or when sometimes we're faced with with health conditions that we didn't plan for, but that came to us. So she's going to share, and I'm going to say her book a number of times, She's going to share her latest book. She's written seven, but this is her latest one called The Life Plan, Simple Strategies for Building Confidence in a Changing World. And it was released, as I said, this month from Beyond Words Publishing. So welcome, Sean. I'm so glad to have you. And as we get started today, what's on your mind? Oh, firstly, Elaine, thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure. Uh, it's early in the morning here. Uh, so what's on my mind? Um, I, I love this time of day. You know, I, I look out of my window here and the sun rises right into my room. So this is my favourite time of day. So I always like to be very present at this time. Well, I'm so glad that you're with us today to share your work. And I think your presence, having talked to you for a little bit in the green room before we started, has a lot of energy and light in it. So let's get started. Um, so I want to know a little bit more about you. So what inspired you to become a life coach? What was it about your lived experience that said, this is something I want to do? It's a great question because it, it wasn't on my career plan, that's for sure. Um, you know, I wanted to be a stockbroker first. I watched Wall Street, the movie, and thought Gordon Gecko was great. So <laughs> I got a job, you know, in a stockbroking firm in the filing department um, over 30 years ago and then became one of the first girls to sit up on that trading desk and then realised it was it was really quite like the Wolf of Wall Street and I didn't want to be there. So I, I, I travelled the world for a couple of years and got into sport and sports sponsorship and ended up being the sponsorship manager for a big brand. And I had 200 
athletes that I had to look after. And I married my job. I I loved my job and I wanted to work seven days a week. I had no off switch. I had absolutely no value on my health. I like to burn the candle at every end. Um, and I really watched high performance Olympic athletes, Australian cricket team, um, you know, high performance at, at a level that you get an insight into when you are with those people mm-hmm. um, in a very close proximity. So it was super exciting. So I burnt out, obviously, and got chronic fatigue, which developed into a deep depression just as I was turning 30, just before 30. And it was actually when I was lying in bed and I was thinking about the destruction that I had witnessed from athletes when they go from, you know, hero to zero overnight, when you get injured, when you get dropped from the team, when you have to retire at the age of 27. Um, I saw them, you know, the alcoholism, the depression, the suicide, the mental health issues that came because they didn't have a life plan. They had no transition plan. So it was actually a gift really for me because I was lying there thinking, I don't have a plan either. Like, who am I without my job? And I didn't know the answer. And I think everyone needs to ask themselves that question is, who are you without your job? Because we need to build the human being, the business of self, so that we feel calm and confident. And our job is what we do in the day, but it does not define who we are. So that's why I studied. Yeah. Yeah. And I think in our society today, there is so much about being goal-driven about, oh, that goal, becoming the Olympic champion, becoming whatever champion. And, but then there's a cost like you're, you're expressing to us that we don't talk about, which is one of the reasons why I was so pleased in this last Olympics that many of the, the young women who were on the um, Olympic team, you know, one stepped away. So I, you know, about mm. depression. And yeah. so to actually start to say there's a mental health toll that happens with this kind of high performance and so to kind of look at that in this way of through this life plan, if everyone had a life plan to say, oh, well, this is part of my journey, but it isn't the entire journey, how might that be different? So it sounds like right. you've, really, you've really grappled with the answer to that question. Yeah, because I, I do 20-year plans for people and myself. You know, my plan goes to when I'm 70. And what it does is it's opening our mind up to say, things are going to change. They, you know, our age is going to change. The change of our children, the age of our children is going to change. The world is going to change. My body is going to change. So if everything is going to change, I need to make sure I keep evolving as a human and I don't define myself as right now because tomorrow that's finished. You know, we might sell 10,000 books today and tomorrow that's gone. It doesn't mean, it doesn't mean much. So I think it's about that real mindfulness coming in and loving where you're at but also knowing that you've done some work on your future plans to catch yourself. So well, with the athlete, yeah. sorry, to go on the athlete, yes. it, it, they had nothing. Yeah. 30 years ago, nobody cared about them. So that's why I studied life coaching, which everyone told me I was a complete fool. Like, <laughs> why would you leave your Jerry Maguire job to become a life coach? Nobody had even heard of it here in Australia, but it was already quite established in the U.S., So I was watching the US market and thinking, no, no, I want to be that coach. So that's why I studied and and opened my business 20 years ago. Well, so, and that's kind of the next question. You've answered it a little bit, but how do you run a business, marriage, parenting, um, COVID-19, maintaining, and how do you maintain your health 
while you manage chronic fatigue and depression? How, how have you managed to do that? I think a lot of our listeners are going, okay, tell me the answer, okay. please. What's the secret? What's the secret? What's the secret? Yes. I think the secret is I rebuilt myself mentally, physically, and emotionally to move from being from that A-type overachieving perfectionist to become more of a embracing the pace, you know? So I want to be here for the long-term. I want the job for the long-term. I don't want to burn out. So what are the non-negotiables for me that will help me? So putting my values first was the first big step that I took where my values are health, mental, physical, emotional, and spiritual. Then it's family, how I show up for my family. And then it's achievement because I'm an achievement junkie. So I had to move from achievement, meaning work harder to achievement, meaning what are you doing today for your mental, physical, and emotional health? So that was the boss. I switched it around so that the boss was your own values are first, your job is second. And so every day I had to actually confront my values on the mirror in big texture and say, what are you doing for your mental health today? You know, what are you doing for your physical and your emotional health today? Because if you do that, your tank will always be able to go the long haul, run that long marathon. Right. And I'm thinking too, um, there was a, a, I was listening to uh, television yesterday and they were talking about um, two um, journalists from the New York Times and they were talking about the state of the mental health of children, of youth in America. And, and frankly, it's worse than it's ever been. And, you know, the question becomes, how is that? I mean, did it happen only because of the pandemic? And of course, it's not just the pandemic. But I think that when we talk about needing this life plan, I think our, our youth need it more than ever. I mean, if we can start cultivating that as they're in school about creating life plans that are not about perfectionism and only achievement, but about being that full person, how might that life be different? So, you know, um, I, I can think of a million reasons why we need a life plan, but I would love to hear a little bit more about what you, how you see. Why, why do we all need a life plan? Um, because we need to define how we want to feel. So if, 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 we, if we have a plan, it's like we've got the, the big map of America and we're saying, where do we want our life to travel? So, you know, we can start in the south and go around to the east and up to the north. And that means your brain has something to hold on to. It means your brain feels supported because it's got a pathway. It's got a vision. It's got a dream. It's got a hope. It's got some goals set. Without that, we are stuck in the here and now not in a good way, in a really unhealthy way where we've got comparisonitis, we've got no boundaries, it's keeping up with the people next door, it's, it's just far too much pressure. We can't switch off because nobody knows how to breathe in, in the beginning. So one of the things for me is breathing, really being calm and confident and doing the work to know what my values are. What, what are the little tiny things that I can do every day? So every time I go to the bathroom, for example, and wash my hands, we just had to learn how to wash our hands in COVID, right? It's all about the germ and the spread. Every time we wash our hands, we could take three deep grounding breaths to reset our nervous system, to support our mental health, to just maybe have some affirmations of, you know, I am good enough. I've got this. This too shall pass. Control the controllables. We can reset ourselves. And we go to the bathroom, what, six times a day, more. 
that's 18 breaths a day. That's 18 times you looked in the mirror and checked in on yourself and, and maybe said something kind to yourself and compassionate to yourself. That's a very different person to somebody who just has no way of connecting with themselves through a habit. So I built a habit plan around my values and that is how I can juggle work, kids, husband, dog, elderly parents, friends, functions, traveling for work, speaking, because I, I really have mastered the art of breath and just connecting with myself and pacing myself and still very much a high achiever, mind you, actually off the chart high achiever. <laughs> yes. um, but I don't value that as much as what did I do for my breath work today? Did I move my body? Did I eat well? Did I, you know, was I present for my family? And when I get those things right, that's the big achievement. That's fulfillment. And that's far more exciting now for me. Well, and as, and as you're talking about it, I can, I can, there's two things I'm hearing. And one is the intentionality of being present in the moment, which is something as simple as washing your hands or doing the dishes or whatever that yep. might be. Um, and then paying attention. And we often talk about this on the show about our sensations and those sensations of well-being that really are sustaining for us. And, and breath work can be one of the things that you do. So that's the present. But also you talk, you're talking about the future as well. We all need a life plan for what do we want to do in the future. So can you tell us some tips about, so how do we create that life plan? You know, you just gave us yeah. one, one tip about, okay, every time I'm, I'm going to wash my hands, I'm going to think about maybe taking a, a breath or thinking about something that nourishes me. But what are some of the yeah. other tips that our, our listeners could incorporate into their lives? So Matthew McConaughey said in his Oscar speech, you know, uh, my role model is my 10-year-older self. And that's the map that we want to create. You know, how old are you in 10 years and how do you want to feel? You know, what life experiences do you want to have had? Where do you want to be financially, emotionally, physically with your body? So, at, you know, for me at 60, I, I want to be able to feel strong and light and flexible. And that's why I go to yoga today. It is not to go to yoga today. I'm actually serving my older self and making an investment into how I want to feel. Obviously, I get the benefit today as well. So having that habit plan of, for me, breathing, the way that I start my day, my morning routine, which is the, the four M's which is make my bed, move my body, mindfully breathe and put music on. So I put that music on in the shower. And try so you and do really dance, like you said. You really do dance. I do dance, yes. Yes, okay, good. And especially in COVID, I thought, well, if we're not going anywhere, I, I moved the portable speaker into the shower. And, you know, I was thinking my, my children put really loud music on in the shower and we all did that as teenagers. Why do we stop doing that? Because we all know that 40% of our happiness comes from what we intentionally do during the day, our habit plan, that we decided these things make me happy. So 10% of our happiness is stuff, you know, car, nice shirt, new phone, nice watch. 50% is our genetic makeup, glass half full, glass half empty. But 40% is your intentional daily activity and we can control that. So building these beautiful rituals. So for me, I get up every morning at 6am, I make my bed in the dark, I walk for an hour with my dog and my husband. And then I, you know, do some mindful breathing on the porch, and then I have my shower. And then I'm ready for the marathon of the day. And the marathon's got all those Gatorade stops, which is the washing of your hands and breathing. 
And then at the end of the day, there is the other bookend, which is the gratitude, the brushing of the teeth, the looking in the mirror, the journaling, the lying down, the stretching. So I feel like for the past 20 years, I've grounded myself to start and finish the day and managed the marathon in between, if that makes sense. So yeah, it does make sense. Well, it's you know like what? an elite athlete. <laughs> well, I, I was saying that's like what you what you did with athletes or what you saw in athletes, but you created this that's um, it's actually very hopeful and optimistic of um, what you're describing to us. And so I also want to, I'm curious about why are the, our values the most important first step? I was curious about that part of because your I, expression. Because um, I think that values are home base. They're deep in you. They are the things that you really truly value and they're what's most important to you. So as we go through life, the treadmill of life, and we we get distracted and life gets messy, we've forgotten what's most important to us. So I think when we have our values front and centre, they used to be on my car dashboard on a sticky note for a long time. And my own coach said, you need to burn those words into your brain because you're an A-type achiever. You will always run for the shiny thing to go and achieve. But this is the shiny thing to achieve because this will mean you won't get so sick again. So I do have to manage depression. I do have to manage chronic fatigue. I never wake up feeling great ever. So if I don't move my body and I don't do the breathing and I don't do the music, I don't have a good day. So, so just really making sure that yeah. that's a non-negotiable. Well, and I think that I often say in the show, what else is true? Because I mean, I mean, it could be true that you have depression and chronic fatigue, but if you stay there, if you stay with the suffering and you don't pivot and shift to also what else is true, because all the things that you're talking about are about the most, um, you know, self-care that can actually shift the way that you feel inside and the way that you view the world in a more optimistic view. And, and so far you've been so optimistic in how you view the world and our conversation in the green room was that way as well. So yes. this kind of leads to, I think, for I think for many of us during COVID, people took a strong look at their values because they were forced to be with people day in and day day out that sometimes they only saw at the end of the day. And, you know, what do I want yeah. for my life? I think many people kind of, I think we both talked about it being as no, you know, we're not one to minimize the horror that it's been for people too, but it was also an opportunity to look at life differently. Um, and I think that a lot of people, um, well, they were burning out before COVID, but they were also burning out because of COVID as well. There was this other part to it. I'm tired of yeah. staying at home. And you were sharing with Australia that you weren't allowed to leave your home for months. Is it months? Months. Months. Yes. We, we were the longest lockdown city in the world. And we weren't allowed to move five kilometres from our home and we were only allowed out one hour a day for a very long time, very long time. And so, and I think going along with that, with burnout, and I want to talk a little bit about burnout, is that we know that many teachers who, mm -hmm. you know, all of a sudden had to do their curriculum online, not used to seeing those kids in the classroom. Um, we know that parents were stressed beyond, beyond. Um, I work a lot with healthcare, nurses, doctors, saw so much suffering. And yeah. so, you know, so that's one of the problems I think that we're facing worldwide is the burnout of teachers and healthcare workers. So mm -hmm. how, what do we do about it? In your vision of your life plan and all the amazing things that you brought into your thinking as a coach, what mm -hmm. would you say to someone who was saying, I'm burnt, I can't do mm -hmm. one more thing? 
Mm. Well, I call it the great reset, right? So when we look at history and we look at wars and we look at, um, you know, Spanish flu and everything takes five years. It's a five-year cycle. So we're in year three. So we've still got another year to go of feeling like this before things start correcting themselves. So I think people, you know, all of my clients in particular um, and, and for myself, you know, the minute I feel that burn, you know, because as, as you, you know, we were doing Zooms every day, all day, Zooming and 600 people on the Zoom and there's a lot of pressure plus homeschooling, plus having my husband here as well, plus we're not even allowed to go to the park. They even like lock the parks. You couldn't go to the park either. No, no park. No, it was, it was actually insane. Um, (laughs) But, uh, you know, every time I wrote on a sticky note, um, which is still here now after two years, what's the gift of today? Mm. So I had to force myself to go, what is the gift? I've got to find the gift. And the gift was being with my kids, even though sometimes it was a little horrific because um, everybody, I've got teenagers locked down. But it was, I, I need to find some very small gifts to hold on to because I know that my brain, my depressive brain, um, always goes to the negative. So I really have to help it and, and nurture it and train it to find the good and to, and to look for the gift all the time. And I think people that are burnt out need to come into that extreme self-care because we're grieving. I, I think that a lot of people have forgotten the word grief, that we're grieving the world that we had or the friends that we had or the connection that we had because now we've got social anxiety and other things that have come to play that when we get those feelings of wafting in of, you know, numbness, that's grief. And we're allowed to grieve and we're allowed to sit in it. But once we've sat in it, we need to then let it move forward and and, and we need to move on and, and create something new for ourselves. So, so it's really acknowledging that the suffering has happened and not to say yeah. that it didn't happen. Yes. And when yes. you do that, and we all know frees, that yeah, with emotional health, emotional health, we need to sit very still in the pain, whatever the pain is, and then we let it go. Um, We don't sweep it under the carpet by having more alcohol or taking another pill or distracting ourselves on our phone. I actually really learned how to sit in chronic fatigue and and the horrible feeling of that because you can't do what you want to do. I can't run. I can't lift weights. I can't go to parties for very long. I'm always the first to leave. So, you know, I had to really learn that, okay, there's some other gifts in this as well because it's made me very present. So when we talk, I want to make sure that we say the name of your book, The Life Plan, Simple Strategies for Building Confidence in a Changing World, is that are there exercises in the Life Plan book where people can maybe, you know, write about their feelings, about their grief? Is that part of what you've done in the book? Yes, absolutely. And the book is designed to um, show people how how to build the plan, but also how to connect in with yourself. Like, let's forget the external world at the moment and control the controllables and build your boundaries, you know, build your habit plan. Um, how do you want to feel? You know, we, we really want to go into all of that. Um, and so it's there. not avoiding it. It's not avoiding it, is it? It's like no. facing what's there. Okay. Yeah. Now, can people buy the book, for example, and, and get without having, get the ideas of it and work it without having a life coach like you? Can they do it on their own? 100%. And that's why I wrote it because 
I really wanted people to have the experience of what they would be working on with a coach, but they can do it at their own pace and it's explained and there's some nice exercises to do as well. So we're going to be taking a break in just in just a minute or so. And and we're going to, listeners, we're going to come back and we're going to hear, get some more specifics because I don't want us to leave without us having more information about how we can start opera- operationalizing in our life what's being shared today. And so when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more specifically. If you can you know, help us clarify too, I think a very important issue is um, how do we find purpose? And how does that, and with finding purpose is all I found is so connected to having what you might call as a beneficial life. I, many of our listeners know that we're doing a project in Ukraine through the Trauma Resource Institute that's our, um, uh, who, who support this program. And one of the things I've seen over and over again is how much purpose people have in meaning, even during such horror. So I'm really wondering if you could share a little bit more is how can we clarify our own purpose and meaning? Because I think that's so foundational of how we go forward in the world. So we will be back in just a few moments and we will um, hear more from our guest today, um, Ms. Shauna Kennedy, who will share more about her life plan. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. The Trauma Resource Institute is a nonprofit organization cultivating trauma-informed and resiliency-focused individuals and communities worldwide. Our mission is to take people from despair to hope. We believe in a world where every child and adult has the capacity to recover from highly stressful and traumatic experiences. Check out iChill, our free app that helps you learn the wellness skills of the community and trauma resiliency models. Go to TraumaResourceInstitute.com for more information. Elaine miller Karras book, Building Resiliency to Trauma, The Trauma and Community Resiliency Models is available on Amazon.com. The book is about how to cultivate resiliency during and in the aftermath of traumatic experiences. The book also addresses body-based trauma interventions combined with psychoeducation about the biology of trauma and resiliency. Elaine also offers personal consultations. For more information, you can contact her at elaine at resiliencywithin.com. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Elaine miller Karras co-founded the Trauma Resource Institute, Incorporated. The Institute provides trainings on the models Elaine developed, the Community Resiliency Model, or CRM, and the Trauma Resiliency Model, or TRM. If you would like more information about the Trauma Resource Institute or how to participate in trainings, visit the Institute's website at traumaresourceinstitute.com. That's traumaresourceinstitute.com. Trauma Resource Institute. Build resilience. Awaken hope. 
your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. This is Resiliency Within with Elaine miller Karras. To reach the show during our live broadcast, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to elaine at resiliencywithin.com. Now, back to this week's show. So, welcome back to uh, Resiliency Within. I'm here with my guest, Shana Kennedy. Uh, she has just written an, a book that just came out in May called The Life Plan, and she's going to tell us a little bit more about it. But um, I really would like to continue and talk about why is having purpose so beneficial to life and the kind of the meanings that go along with that, if you can share that from your, your perspective. That's such a big topic and a big word, isn't it? And um, yes. I think that's why it gets very overwhelming for people <clears throat> because it's so big they don't know where to start. And I think that's quite quite a big problem that everybody has. They're searching for their purpose and their why, and I'm not sure. And I think, and I work with my clients to really break it down to maybe we just need the purpose of today to start with. You know, what would make you feel your best self today? Or what do you need to be doing? Or who can you call? Or what are you doing for your values today? Because it gives the brain something to hold on to. I think the brain is so powerful and it needs a map. It needs a plan. And when it has a plan, you know, you're like me, you've got all your lists done and we're really organized people, is we feel really supported that way. We feel like I know where I'm going. I know who I am. I know why I'm going there. So for a lot of people who might not have found their why or their purpose, I bring it right back to maybe what is the purpose of, of, of summer? You know, what is the purpose of the season? So I actually work in seasons with my clients and we, we, we make winter our hardest working season where we have such purpose to, you know, make sure everything is clean and tidy and the taxes are done and the car is serviced and all the boring things, the insurances are done, and it gives them a purpose in the winter. Or that's when you write your book or that's when you overhaul the website because who wants to be doing that in the middle of summer? So when we can work in seasons and we have specific things that we do in each season for our life, you know, I get all my blood tests done in summer and all of this, there is rhythm and ritual. When there is rhythm and ritual to our life, to our year, to our season, which is every 12-week block, I think we can then allow the brain to open up a little bit more to say, how can I find a bigger purpose now? Because I feel good. I feel supported. I've got, I've got routine. I've got structure, which is what humans need. Otherwise, we feel lost. When we feel lost, we feel lonely. When we feel lonely, our thoughts change. When our thoughts change, our feelings change, and then we feel different. And then we can't be creative and we can't give back. So finding something that you're passionate about could be growing tomatoes, you know, and that that fills you with some fulfillment. And then you take it to another level where you start bottling tomatoes and giving tomatoes. And, you know, we start to find new purpose. But we have to start with what is it that you actually enjoyed about today? 
you know, Elizabeth and Gilbert. The, and it can be the simplest things. I have to tell you a story. Yeah. I was, I'm, I'm, I'm doing uh, the second edition of my book and we do something very similar in the model that I created and it's finding your personal resources. And so one of the, our community resiliency model teachers, his name is Sam Habimana. He's from Rwanda. And so he wrote me, I said, you know, Sam, I need a little blurb. I would love to include it in my book. Send me something. So he tells me the story and I, I love the story. I wanted to share this with you. Yeah. And he was working with a woman who was suffering, you know, had depression and didn't know if she could ever get over the memories of the genocide. And so when Sam introduced this very concept that you're talking about, the lady said, well, I realize I love my cow. I love the way my cow looks. I love petting my cow. I love the milk from the cow. I mean, it was like on and on about the cow. Now I realize that many of you are listening going, well, I don't have a cow, but you might have something like that, that it hadn't occurred to you. And it, so so then she said, you know, when I started thinking more about my cow, my cow, I started feeling more compassionate about myself. And I even started feeling more compassionate about others, because like you said, the brain's amazing. And that when we cultivate those moments of well-being, that brain circuitry is really also designed for well-being, that that's what you're, that's the neuroscience part of what you're doing, which I think is brilliant. So I'm very excited about this, these ideas that you're bringing forward, because isn't that a way that you can really hone in to those things that are important? The other thing that touches me too about what you're saying that I think is important is many of us, I think this happened during the pandemic as well. Everything was chaos. You know, Mm. you couldn't do the things that you used to do. And maybe they were chaos before the pandemic. But when you talk about, I'm, I, I, when you were talking, I was thinking about pillars, the pillars that help us have structure that can help us then define our, what we want to do in life. But also I'm really getting the ideas from you, Shana, is that it's also about what are the steps, right. Mm. Of, of putting those to, to in play. So can you clarify that a little bit more about that? Cause I just love that, that concept that you're bringing forward. Yeah, it's, it's, we, we, we need strategy. So, you know, you might want to drive through Yosemite. Well, you need to know where you're going to stop, right. You need <laughs> yes. use, the brain otherwise says, well, I don't understand, or we need, might need to detour. You know, we get the curveball thrown at us when we get sick or whatever might happen. So the, if, if you don't spend the time just thinking about the business of self and your life plan and your roadmap and your habit plan and what your goals are and what your vision is, it's really hard for the brain to, to become mindful, to actually be able to enjoy today. So I want to enjoy today. We we have this hour together, Elaine, that we will never get back. It's just exactly. it's you and me. Yes. So I want it to be joyful. I, I want to be curious. I want to love speaking to you. I want to be interested in you. I want to learn from you. Um, I want to connect with you. And when we have that attitude, it's not like, oh, I have to do another podcast. You know, so I really think that. When we train the brain, which is an incredible computer program, if it is still programmed from 1980 thoughts, 1990 thoughts that we had, and we're not updating it on a daily basis, then we just feel stuck all the time. So stuck in the grief of the Holocaust or whatever. But if she retrained her brain to, I wonder what the cow's thinking today or (laughs) how, you know, how's it moving, how's it eating? Actually, I'm going to study cows. So just from patting the cow and recognising that makes her happy, 
She could study cows. She could write a book, write a book about cows. She could, it can become a beautiful purpose because you've, you've found something that gives you joy. And we all have things during the day that gives us joy and we have clues and success leaves clues. Uh, but we're so busy and not present and we're not breathing, we can't even see the clues. And I think Elizabeth Gilbert in her book, Big Magic, talks a lot about that, about, oh, there's a herb growing, you know, and you put the herb in your food. Well, imagine if you studied the herb. You might get really attached and fascinated about what it's doing to your body when you eat it or, you know, whatever you're eating or drinking. We can, um, <coughs> excuse me, we can really find some joy, which can create a new purpose for your life. It can become a passion. Well, and I also think it's a positive contagion, you know, for others, because look at this. We just talked about the cow. We don't know this person in Rwanda. And we all both felt a little, I think, lightened by thinking about her and the cow, right? So then that's how also it kind of spreads out to other people around us, which kind of brings me to the next question I have for you, which what are drainers? And how can we identify and remove them? Because we just talked about one part, but there's also the possibility of the drainers. So tell us more mm. about your concepts about that. Yeah, drainers and dream stealers. So there's 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 people drainers, which are I call them the dream stealers, who we share our goals or our vision or our hopes and dreams with, and they they instantly shut you down because you know you might want to lose weight, and they go oh, that's too hard, and oh well I thought you'd be happy for me and it's a whole terrible circle. So we've got to be really careful that the people that we have on our our team are our cheerleaders, not our dream stealers. And drainers are all of the things in life that sit in the back of our mind that we don't think about every day that make us tired. You know, when you go and wash your car and you clean your car out and then you drive your car and you think, oh my gosh, I feel fantastic in this car now. Why didn't I do this a month ago? It's been draining me for a month. So drainers are really small things, like if you haven't done your tax for a couple of years, it's sitting there. It sits on your shoulder. Taxes, insurances, haven't filed all your receipts away, haven't cleaned your car, haven't cleaned out your wardrobe, haven't really set up a system so that you can drink a litre of water a day quite easily because the bottle's in front of you. They're all small, tiny things. I call them the drainers. And in the, in the life plan, there's lists of them. And the idea is to bring everything into the yes column and, and to think about if I just focused on my life and my plan and my map and I dotted out where I want to stop and I kept the car tidy all the way along, you know, life is much easier that way because we're focused on being the best version of ourselves. We're not looking at everybody else trying to compete. You know, they say comparisonitis is the thief of all joy. The minute that you do it, keep your eyes on your own plate. Let's make our life as best as it can possibly be by controlling what we can control. And the so drain we, can self, we can self-sabotage. I mean, all the things you're talking yes. about, these are not necessarily things that are coming outside of ourselves to us. It's just things that we sometimes keep ourselves back because we get into that kind of negativistic thinking. And then that becomes our mantra rather than some of the things that you're suggesting to us. So, um, so I'm really curious though, is you just told us about what they are. So are are there um, exercises in the book that can help us identify and remove them? Yes. So we go through each area of your life and we think about 
you know, your fin- finances, for example, and how to tidy them all up. And there might be your relationships. You know, do you take care of the people that are important to you? Do you tell them that you love them? Do you um, ask for your um, wants and needs to be met? You know, people don't make any requests. It's really bizarre. You know, my husband might be watching television and I'm doing the dishes and the washing needs to be folded. So most people won't say, would you mind helping me fold the washing? They'll just do it all themselves and be the martyr and then hate their husband and be resentful. So we need to make requests, beautiful, simple requests. So it teaches you how to move things into the positive and retrain the brain. And I think a lot of our thoughts can be draining you know, when we're thinking the same thing on the same loop all the time, I try and really disrupt it um, and think, is it helpful or is it harmful? And then try and switch it over from harmful to helpful. So really just practicing that, that training of the brain, but also executing all of the small things in life that we know we should be doing that we know are good for us that we're not doing. Well, and I'm I'm really intrigued too, because I've certainly seen this a lot where it's kind of like you're like the hamster in the wheel and you don't know how to get off. And so that you just keep doing it. Oh, well, I've always done it this way since 1980, like you said. And so, but if you don't get off the wheel, then how can you have a different result? And so it's those, that kind of thinking that you're talking about, they can help shift our thinking and help us to maybe create a pathway that can give us something new in our lives and give us more energy to live a more fulfilled life, which I think is my next question is that um, in the life plan, you discuss the importance of having an energy toolkit as well as a success toolkit. So what does that look like? And um, what might you have in these toolkits? So I think a lot of people are saying, okay, I'm perking up. I want to know what I should be putting in this (laughs) toolkit right now. (laughs) Well, well, your energy toolkit is, you know, how do you want to feel? I want to feel light. I want to feel joyful. I want to feel vibrant. I want to feel energetic. Now I'm not going to get that the whole time, but what are the activities that help me get there? So I have to move my body. I have to take my supplements every day. Um, And I'm actually, I'm going to repeat that. I don't have to, I choose to, I get to move my body every day. I get to take my supplements every day. I get to unload the dishwasher every day. So my mind has been really trained You know, my to-do list is the joy list. Everything on there, approach it with joy. Um, It's not um, I have to do this, I get to do this. So training that up changes your energy instantly. So I don't walk into the laundry and think I have to do the washing. It's I get to wash the clothes of my family in the washing machine. It's pretty good, you know. So training that brain for energy obviously doing all of the amazing things for the human being, which is how we eat, how we move, how we sleep and how we breathe. I think people just have forgotten how to breathe. They're in a state of fear, in a state of panic, in a state of confusion. And as you said, the COVID hamster wheel, stop and breathe. Learn how to do a a diaphragmatic breath. So 20 years ago, my coach said, you need to learn to breathe because you're an A-type overachiever. So I had to go to breathing classes and have a breathing coach and it completely changed my life because it changed the way I viewed energy. And energy doesn't mean, can I go out to midnight and party like a rock star? It means, can I feel how I want to feel during the marathon of the day? You know, I I warm up and cool down, but the marathon of the day, how do I want to feel? 
So, you know, you talk about your chronic fatigue, but I know there are many people that have different kinds of conditions like fibromyalgia, for example. And I'm just wondering with your experience, has this plan helped people that have conditions that have fatigue that go with them so that they can increase that, I guess, energy bank account (laughs) so Mm, that they mm -hmm. can get through, not just get through, but live more purposefully in their life in a more joyous way that isn't always connected to what they can't do, but what they can do. Exactly. If I focus on what I can't do because of chronic fatigue, there is a giant list. It's not pretty and it's not nice. And it makes me really sad. It makes me very depressed. So I always go back to controlling the controllables. And some days I do feel like I have been hit by a Mack truck. It is big. It is painful. My bones ache, my head aches. And I just practice that loving kindness, compassion to myself rather than pushing myself and being angry and being angry at it. And that's why I talk about dancing with it, because if you get angry at it, it's going to be nasty. So let's just move with it. And some days it's going to be light and some days it's going to be heavy. And so on the heavy days, that kind compassion to myself, the breathing, the sitting, They're just putting on the nice essential oils. The kind stuff actually gets heightened. And on the days where it's light, well, yeah, I I try and move like a rock star. I try and do as much as I possibly can. And then in the success toolkit, that's all about, you know, being organized as you, you are. It is, you know, having those lists ready, doing the map, making sure you know where you're having your stops, you know where your pit stops are to refuel, you know what the habits are. You know, before I watch television, I always lie and watch television with my legs up the wall, inverted, and get the blood going the other way to get rid of the pain of chronic fatigue so I don't have restless legs. So these tiny 15 minutes, I'm still watching television, mind you, but then I'm allowed to go to the couch. So just doing that changes how I sleep for the whole night. Otherwise, I have restless legs. So when you know what what is the the three little things that you could do that would give you a better result on how you feel, you build them into your success toolkit. You build them into your habit plan of the day. And, And we need to shine, and COVID said, shine the light on you. So shine the light on you. If you're having four coffees a day, is that making you feel good? Should you drop down to three? You know that when you go for a walk and you walk back in the front door, you actually feel better than when you left. You're in a different state. You've changed your state. Okay, so I need to get excited, not about going for a walk, but how I feel when I come back. So we need to tell the brain to get attached to, I feel better when I move my body. I'm more open. Yes, and I'm also hearing, I think this is also important, because I think that when we have conditions like depression or chronic fatigue or fibromyalgia, it can be like a dive oh my gosh, I can't do, I can't do, I can't do. Oh, I'm depressed, I'm sad, I'm sad. I'm just going to sleep. I'm not going to get out of bed. I mean, it's almost like then you go down that slippery slope and then it's harder to get back up again. So what you're saying is I can see and hear from you that you are working on this all the time. And it doesn't mean that it has to be arduous. It just has to be mindful and intentional because as you pour the, I guess I'm going to use that bank account, you're, pour, pour, you're pouring more nourishment in that bank account that you know that you will use on a rainy day, those days that maybe you don't feel as yeah. ready to dance as you do others, but that it all comes and plays in together 
to help the overall health. And then just to hear that you've written seven books. I mean, this is, would say, well, a person with chronic fatigue can write seven books. Well, yes, they can, but you've worked on this. I mean, you've really yes. trained yourself to do this yes. in a different way. Yes. And perspective is really important. So, you know, last Friday, it was Mother's Day here and I couldn't go to the school Mother's Day lunch because I had a really bad fatigue day. So I had to cancel a couple of clients and I couldn't go to the lunch. Now, my old self would have been devastated, angry. It's my son's last year with that cohort. And I just said, what's the gift? Hmm. The gift is perspective. Like it's okay to miss out on something occasionally. Don't be a FOMO, fear of missing out. Be a JOMO, joy of missing out. It's obviously a day that you need to care for your body because next week you're about to do six talks in front of a lot of people and have a big impact in people's lives. So perspective, I think, is really important that we don't get so stuck on the day that we can actually open the mind and see the whole map. You know, out of the 20 years ahead of us, you just missed a, uh, a lunch. It's okay. You know, so I, I've trained my brain to think of that 10 years ahead on that, on that map that we created and say there's a little bit of a detour here because the road's got a crack in it. We have to go around the slow way, but we're going to get there. We're going to get there. So perspective, yes. the big picture only comes if you have a life plan. Well, and I think um, we uh, a few months ago we talked about um, a book that was written by Desmond Tutu and His Holiness the Dalai Lama, um, and they talked about joy in the book, and they talked about, it's called The Book of Joy, um, but a big part of the book is perspective, is that when you see that larger picture, um, it helps us to manage what happens in the day-to-day -day activities that this is not always going to be the way that it is. And I think that's what I'm hearing you say for all of you who's sitting there in, in your homes or listening in your car to this podcast, is to know that if you're feeling in that depth of depression or fatigue, that just like the seasons, you may be in a winter season, but spring comes. Yeah. And with this, this too shall pass. Yeah, this too uh -huh. shall pass. So that wider perspective, it's it can be very hard though to have it when you're in that place. Mm -hmm. But I can mm -hmm. see by this life plan and the book that you've written, it's really about cultivating that. And I mean, and then um, you have this companion with you. You're writing in it, and it's. It, I mean, I would love to hear your vista about that. As people create this life plan and all the different activities in it, how do you see them integrating this in their, let's say, activities of daily living, like you're suggesting to us? Yeah. So my my life plan is a piece of paper with you know all of the years down the page, and then my age and my husband's age and my children's ages, and I have a massive landscape of the next 20 years of the ages and stages that I'm going to hopefully um, dance through. So I think then you've got that beautiful perspective coming in and then we can bring everything down into, okay, well, what life experiences do I want in the up and coming summer? Okay, what, what would make summer great? You know, what, what goals can I set? What experiences do I want? What trips do I want? Do what dinners do I want with certain people? Do I want to build my network? Um, so it's, it's, it gives you this beautiful um, space, I think, to start being creative with your life and get out of the passenger seat and into the driver's seat where you're the one creating, this is my next 12 weeks. 
What would make me happy in the next 12 weeks? What habit do I want to change in the next 12 weeks that will make me feel better energetically? Something with food, something the way I move my body, just small tweaks. And I think the life plan is about opening the bonnet as well and tweaking as we go along. So it talks a lot about habits and boundaries and, you know, what your non-negotiables are for success and to feel how you want. And we have the opportunity as a purpose in life to tweak that every day so that we feel how we want to feel. Starting a gratitude practice, for example, small tweaks. Those are very powerful. But I think that leads me to, because you talk about vision boards and it sounds like when, when I'm hearing you talk, I go, oh, this is about creating your vision for yourself and for the, for the future. So can you talk a little bit about your vision? I think you have vision board kits as part of your life plan. So let us know about these. Yes, I do have vision board kits and I've made vision boards since I was about 15. So um, I like to appeal in pictures to the brain as well. So when the brain just sees a word, Mm. If we bring color to the word, it gets excited, it gets emotional. So if we have a picture of, you know, a person who feels, I've got a picture here that people who are listening can't see, um, but it's a picture of a lady who is running with a T-shirt out with a big bunch of balloons. And she has been on my computer for the last two years. Hmm. And she means the world to me because she said, approach with lightness and joy. Life is a playground just try and dance through it, you know. So we need a visual a lot of the time. And when people do a vision board, you know, they might put the car and the house and everything. But we can also put up there, how do we want to feel? Do we want to feel joyful? We should have some joyful pictures up there. You know, what are the words that I want to train my brain with? They're all on the vision board. The values are on the vision board. So it's like you get to look at the map every day of where we're driving and you, you get to mark things off, but you also think, oh, in Yosemite, I want to go and to that RV park. You can <laughs> mark it all, you know, you put it on. So you get you get a visual of, you know, my role models are up there as well. So Shanna, I cannot believe it. We're in our last couple of minutes. We have this oh. time has, has fled by. So please say your book one more time. Yes, so people will go out and plan. buy this book. I want everyone yeah. to buy your book. So say it so uh, say it with your words. It's the life plan. It is about building real confidence in a changing world. It is shining a light on yourself so that you can build your beautiful map that inspires and motivates you moving forward. And it gives you all of the tools, the tips, the habits, the how-to. It gives you the how-to and you can work through it at your own pace. So I feel like we've just gotten an appetizer for the life plan today with with, uh, Shana as she's explained her ideas. So please go out and get her book. And I think she's a perfect example of what we talk about at Resiliency Within. What else is true? clearly she has suffered. She still suffers, but she has a plan on how she meets her suffering. It's what we say, we can shift into suffering and then we can also shift away and create a life that you want to live. It may be a little bit different than you had planned, but still absolutely optimistically possible. So again, thank you very much. And also if you want to reach her, she does have a website, um, shaunakennedy.com. And it's S-H-A-N-N-A-H is the first name. And you can go there. And if they want to contact you there, can they leave a message for you there as well? 
Yes, absolutely. And there's an enormous amount of free resources on there Uh, and a free downloadable vision board kit for people to print out. Thank you so much. And again, blessings to you and your work. Thank you for getting up quite early in Australia to come and join us here on Voice America. And this is Elaine miller Karras signing off for Resiliency Within. And remember what else is true in your life as you go through your week. We'll see you next time. Thank you so much for joining us this week for Resiliency Within. Please tune in again next Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Elaine miller Karras on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We'll talk again soon. Resiliency Within with host Elaine miller Karras is brought to you by Trauma Resource Institute Incorporated. Visit TraumaResourceInstitute.com.